host tim this week i am joined by a close friend towie towie and i are gonna talk he was listening to one of our episodes you can go back in the catalog and find is the sasquatch episode and uh he was saying that he had heard some stories he might have had a couple of experiences along the way and uh he's just a big sasquatch enthusiast so i'd love to hear uh, a little bit more from towie how are you doing tonight towie i am doing well thanks tim now, I'll preface this all by saying I've never seen a Sasquatch, and I think I'd like to keep it that way. To be honest with you, it's uh, spooky enough out in the woods at night. Uh, <laughs> without, you're thinking you're, without thinking you're sharing sharing the area with a thousand-pound, nine-foot-tall hairy monster. You know what I mean? No, that kind of you're describing some of the nice, nice prairie girls I met at some of those socials. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, and that's scary too, Tim. So just imagine if they were taller. Oh, shit. You know? And you were in the dark in the woods with them. Yeah. <laughs> you have to travel a ways to find the woods. <laughs> you were at a well lit community event. You can imagine in the middle of the woods. <laughs> oh, that tickled me. They liked you, Tim. These prairie girls out here, a lot of them took a real shine to you. Yeah, you're lucky you got out when you did, or you'd probably be married with five kids by now. Yeah, that doesn't sound so bad. There's a lot of great girls out there. Great people. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, Tim, tell me, how much research did you guys do? You and Kat did an episode on Bigfoot, and you talked a little bit. What, uh, just refresh my memory, because I've been listening to some you know some stories since what what event or encounter were you guys talking about uh we talk mostly like uh pretty broad spectrum but a lot of what i picked up off of uh wikipedia we talked about the original sighting uh down in california Uh, yeah yeah the equipment operator in the 50s yes uh him uh, i can't remember his name but yeah and then there was yeah. Patterson Gimlin film and then the one up in Nunavut. Uh, that was uh, the the closest ones that we really got into. A little bit into the guy in BC that uh, the Sasquatch Reddit seems to fucking uh, hate him. You know, Reddit isn't always wrong. Todd Standing is the man you're talking about. And Todd Standing has already been caught for falsifying Sasquatch evidence twice. Now, that's not to say that some of his experiences aren't real. I just think but it detracts a lot from any future work the man might do. So uh, guys like uh, Jeff Meldrum, um, I think even John Bindernagel, he's passed away now, I believe, but uh, they're two, you know, doctors, university professors that have been out. uh, Actually, Bindernagel moved to the BC area so he could uh, further research into it because it was a pet project, a personal interest, you know. Yeah. And that's a hotbed. They call uh, Vancouver Island Ape Island. Oh wow! You know that it's known as Ape Island, right? Any uh, lots of sightings. It's the most concentrated amount of sightings probably in North America. But uh, 
Todd Standing. I've watched his stuff, right? He's gone to some interesting areas. and But some of the stuff he claims and some of the footage he's come up with, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I, know I just know Todd's been caught hoaxing before. And it was proved that he was caught hoaxing. But he says, ah, yeah, I hoaxed. But I'm not hoaxing this. Or I hoaxed that for a reason. Because <laughs> it was for uh, a production they were doing or whatever, eh? But anyway, the bugger got caught, you know. But watch... Did you watch any of his videos on YouTube where he preface like he does a little intro and he shows himself? I am I trained with Navajo trackers. Yeah. I train like a Navy SEAL, and he jumps around with a great big gun in the water, running around in BC like a the first idiot you'd see. Uh, you could be five hundred feet up in a helicopter and you'd see that fool jumping around with a shiny pistol in the in the open creek. You know. Yeah. Anyway. I, the the video that got me was the one that made the news where you're looking at that ape face and it blinks and you're yeah. like, holy shit, because it doesn't look like any kind of ape you've ever seen before. And it yeah. looks it doesn't look like Planet of the Apes. Like, you know, you don't have Charlton Heston screaming. It's yeah. it looks better. You know, Real? that one, too. And the, yeah. And the places the places Todd Standing goes are what I would think would be the right kind of places, you know, like he's not going just five minutes outside of Vancouver or something, you know, he's getting out into the outback. He traveled all the way to Nord, uh, Nordig, Nordig uh, area of Alberta, okay. which, you know, trust, tree structures are there. There's another uh, a researcher used to live in Saskatchewan or comes from Saskatchewan. He's, he's out there a lot too. Uh, Justin uh, something or other. He has a YouTube channel called, called Mountain Beast Mysteries, eh? Yeah. And, um, He's very, unlike Todd Standing, you can listen to this guy and he's pretty level-headed. He doesn't make wild accusations or claims, you know. Um, he's accepted by a, a real, I think they're a tight-knit group. Like, there's a taxidermist out there who claims to know where their caves are and where they're living. We won't talk to anybody, eh? But he's talking to this Justin guy, right? Holy shit. And, um, yeah, so they're doing some neat research, Uh I think the Olympic project in Washington is probably really going about it the right way. They started out as a camera trap operation, you know, where they would, a uh, group of guys are going out on the weekends and they'd set up a pile of game cameras everywhere and mark the locations on GPS. They started in 06. Um, they got out of camera trapping. Uh, they said it's like they knew, like, you know, they couldn't catch any kind of evidence no matter what. They'd be ripped off the trees. They'd be smashed. They'd be covered with a log or, you know, just weird stuff. And they, after years of this, well, they moved into uh, different forms of research, you know? they uh, Those are the ones gathering up all the DNA, right? They're, they're they did. The fur. Yeah, you know how they got a hold of this DNA? is kind of interesting. The uh, guy that founded the uh, Olympic Project, he's friends with a guy that has a, a logging lease on, on a bunch of land down there for uh, for timber, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, he gets a call one day. Uh one of the surveyors, he's out. Now, these guys go where nobody goes because they have to track through the bush to survey the next cut, you know. And um, he came across, upon nests. These nests are huge. And there's like five of them, and there's a great big one, and then smaller ones, like, you know, like the three Goldilocks and the three bears, right? Yeah. And um, so he tells his boss. They go out there. They can't believe it. They know, they know the guy from the Olympic Project. They give him a call. They're like ecstatic. These are big woven together nests. And he's laying down in one even, eh? And it's way bigger than for a man. And they're woven. And there's uh, branches driven in 
so yeah, the nesting material has something to to go against. I, I've seen photos and video of it. Um, they disassembled and collected them, you know, and took them back to their little. Uh, they have like a lodge, say, on some of their land. Now, the guy that has a timber lease on this says, "Listen, I think this is a important enough uh, discovery that I'll give you guys five years to investigate the area before we do go in and cut." They were going to cut that year. Holy so shit! The company, Holy the company, shit! Yeah, gave them five years to investigate this. Now, the problem is with the DNA, they're sending it off, just like a lot of other DNA has, to identify it. Sorry, couldn't identify it. You know, it's close to human. It's close to ape, but it's neither. Yeah. So that's interesting, but inconclusive, you know. And a lot of people have done this uh, with DNA, you know. And, and the hair samples they find, well, they can't identify. Yeah. It's just not like any other hair. Like it's never hair that's never been cut, but it's very much like human hair, except it does. Uh, it doesn't have the core and the other. It's just a one, you know. It doesn't have the the same uh, structure as a human hair. Okay. So I thought that was interesting, you know. Yeah. But I think what they're doing now is really interesting. Is they're doing a lot of uh, collecting sounds. They have a sound guy who uh, puts battery operated sound equipment, mics, mm-hmm. ribbon mics, everything sensitive mics, some parabolics. They put them out in the bush. And some of the sounds they have captured are creepy as hell. And he can tell you now, after doing it for years, uh, October through February, I'm going to get lots of vocalizations, lots of noise in this area, and not in the rest of the year. Not going to get it. Yeah. And um, so he's like, he's almost mapping the way they travel and where they go and areas they come in and out of by the sounds. And um, it's really neat. So they're doing a lot of work with audio, right? And, um, they got their nests. They're studying that area. They are out in there. And these guys, you think, you know, I, I watched, uh, who were they out there with? Uh, Small Town Monsters did a documentary on the Olympic project. And you actually have to buy the documentary. Uh, but they have some some of their stuff on their YouTube channel. Because um, they did Bigfoot, uh, the legend, Bigfoot, the search. Now Bigfoot, the discovery was released last week. And these guys that are, you know, ported investigators, everything looking for this, and then this is—you think this is all they want to do—is find it. They get in an area by these nests. They start to get circled. Some big trees start shaking. A couple of great big boulders that I couldn't lift go whipping by. Yeah. They—they they pulled their guns and they ran. They got out of there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they Smart. Were, they were—they didn't—they didn't go looking for them. Like you know, he had yeah. one guy had a GoPro. The other guy was going to dig out his camera, put his camera away, and dug out his gun. Yeah. So they're both holding their pistols and they're very nervously talking to one another. Let's back out of the area, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's Washington State, the Olympic Peninsula. That's uh, that's a lot of trees and mountain, eh? That's a rainforest area too, be- on 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 the west side of the mountain because you got all that that Pacific air getting trapped there, right? Yeah. So it's quite a habitat. Uh, I, just to bring us back to the beginning of this, uh, I, I'm curious because like. Where I come in with the the Bigfoot is, of course, watching the TV shows as a kid. And there was a lot more wonder when you just had three channels and uh, uh, a show would come on and you'd see the Patterson-Gimlin film for the first time, which that film, they've had some people come forward and go on lie detectors saying that they faked it and blah, blah, blah. But then you have professors examining it and showing the muscular 
uh, structure underneath the skin as it moves. And they, like, even with that shaky camera, you can see muscles actually flex and move under this massive thing. So the, the kind of human being that you would have to have underneath it just doesn't make any yeah. fucking sense. But, like, that that that's the wonder to me. And that's, like, it's hard to explain how big Canada is and how much forest we actually have and how much unexplored in between there is between small town to small town, especially out in the prairies uh, or northern Ontario, Quebec. Like there's just so much land we don't inhabit or go to. I think the best way to do it, and I do this, uh, say for photography, I'll look up a light pollution map. You type in that in a Google search and it'll show you areas and you'll see that near the 49th parallel is where Canada is populated. Yeah. And all the rest <laughs> is not populated. Everything yeah. north of there, like even me, where I am in my small town, I could be at the U.S. border in just over an hour. Yeah. You know, if you're in Winnipeg, you can drive down Highway 75, you're at the U.S. border in under an hour. Wow. And, you know, at Brandon, you go straight south for an hour, you're in Minot. Or to, you know, at the border and get to, on your way to Minot. So all cities, like, you know, except maybe Edmonton and Saskatoon are a little further north, but for the bulk of our major population, especially in Ontario, everything is packed right down along the U.S. border. That's, yeah. And, and north of that is the bulk of our country. And, and it's a massive country and there's uh, essentially nothing where you could, you know, the Olympic Peninsula, if you're flying over it in a jet, you're over it in eight minutes. You're not quite over Canada in eight minutes. You know, you fly mm-hmm. an awful long time north before uh, you got to Churchill. Yeah. Yeah. And there are no roads. We got some ice roads. Actually, one of the Manitoba uh, Bigfoot encounters here happened. It wasn't on an ice road, but on a ferry at Norway House. And the ferry operator, a native guy, Cree Nation, um, he, he found uh, or, or was watching. He's operating the ferry, you know, and he's watching the shoreline. And he's got like a two and a half minute video of a Sasquatch walking along the shoreline on the far side of the Nelson River. And this, you can, there's not even roads up there. Nobody's driven into the other side. You can't quad in. You can't. You could maybe have somebody drop you out of a helicopter over there just on the odd chance that you could prank a native guy running a ferry yeah. across the Nelson River by Norway House. And um, he's got two and a half minutes of video. Wow. You know, it. You know why it didn't make it too big stream? He's like, he, he wasn't giving it away. He had offers from all over, and he's like, no, I, nobody else has Sasquatch video. You buy it. <laughs> but, Smart guy. Uh, CBC, CBC uh, released, CBC Manitoba released, uh, it went to our national news too. So they did release some of the video. He gave them some of the video to, to use, and they did interviews with him. It happened about 15, 16 years ago, but you could still find it now. Yeah. And that's uh, that's northern Manitoba. That's Norway House. Um, it's an awful long way with nothing between here and there. Yeah. And, and north of there, nothing again. It's yeah. just bush, 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 then the tundra, and then Santa Claus and the North Pole. That's, I mean, that's <laughs> literally yeah. from the 49th parallel up, uh, 50th parallel all the way up to the North Pole. There's only a few dotted, uh, human habituations. Everything else is, uh, it's open, nothing, bush. Yeah. Well, yeah, like uh, some of these towns, like they have alarm systems and laws that like 
they'll warn you when you're walking home from the bar that polar bears are in town and you have to let anybody into your house because you, they don't want to get you eaten by a polar bear. Like this is Churchill, Manitoba, Tim. Churchill, Manitoba. It's illegal to lock your car doors uptown in case somebody needs to get into it to get away from a bear. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, uh, like they, see, they gather, they gather in the fall. They're all just leaving now. They just left. Uh, most of them are out on the polar ice. It's formed on the bay and they're out hunting seals. Yeah. But prior to the formation of, of that ice, they're gathering around Churchill. And if you go further north, like Nunavut and Iqaluit, same thing, you know, and uh, it was a good thing. Like our bear population is healthy. Like, you know, uh, I know that Greenpeace got in a little bit of trouble and they had to publish an apology up here two years, three years ago. Um, they released ish, uh, pictures of a, a sick bear. Like, you know, he was old and everything dies. And this one was old and dying of natural causes by the town dump. And, yeah. They went in and then instead of phoning the right authorities to dispatch him, they got a bunch of pictures, splashed it around National Geographic and said climate change was killing the bears. And it upset a lot of the uh, native population up there eh? because polar bears are growing in population, especially like not so much around Churchill as much. They're healthy there, but up in Iqaluit and Nunavut and those areas, it's getting to be almost where it's a problem because there's so many bears. We do have the largest concentration of polar bears in the world in Canada, right? Yeah. In Manitoba, you know, at all the provinces, we have quite the claim to fame because we have the Hudson Bay port and Churchill and that's a, a big bear area. But and uh, they're big and they're smart and they're fucking scary. People don't remember like bears are something to be afraid of nine times out of 10. Yeah. They, they don't mess with you. They, they're busy on their own thing. You don't fuck with a bear. Yeah, they aren't. Well, and these aren't a black bear, you know, and um, even like a polar bear is big, bigger than a grizzly bear. <laughs> a yeah. polar bear is bigger than a grizzly bear and uh, grizzlies are awfully big. And I'm scared of grizzlies. Yep. I'm scared of the right black bear, you yeah. know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm... Lots and lots of black bears taking photos of them. And uh, there's a few, they, they, you know, you look at them and. Nah, this this is one sketchy bear, man. I'm getting back in the truck, you know. <laughs> Put a little bit in to give him some space, you know. So, Tower, you are a wildlife photographer. Uh, but I'm just kind of curious, like, just to give the people a background, where does your love of Sasquatch or the Bigfoot come from? Do you love the Sasquatch? Is Are you like me? The Sasquatch is our friend? I believe, like, any, if it's out there, it's an animal, mm-hmm. right? Because there's, there's a lot of different beliefs on that, too. Some believe he's a dimensional time traveler. And he's going to come to it. Yeah, no, I'm serious. Yeah. You, you don't have to go too far into the Sasquatch mythology before you come across the dimensional time traveler side mm-hmm. of things. And there's a lot of people, oh, yeah, he pops in and out of uh, wormholes, you know. I'm like, well, of course he does, yeah. Well, and that's why you can't get a good picture of him, is he's out of sync. That's right. If he could pop in and out of a wormhole, there's better places to go. <laughs> <laughs> house, Manitoba, where it's cold and miserable and there's a lot of mosquitoes right yeah. he's gonna pop out somewhere nicer uh then there's the other ones that believe of course uh, of, of course and there's just no doubt to them at all that he is a space traveling alien and mm. he beams himself up and down from his ship and some of these believe that uh he was the alien's first crack at populating planet earth when they came here and planted the seed of humanity he was the uh, oops too aggressive we're not going to be able to harvest 
them properly later because we made them too big and mean. Mm-hmm. Let's make them a little dumber and weaker. And then they came up with humans instead. So, that, you know what? <laughs> I, I will say that I am a fan of mythology, of him being a undiscovered great primate in a land that has all the room in the world for an undiscovered great primate. Um, we know everything, do we? Well, there's 36 species discovered so far this year. Wow. Uh, you know, um, mind you, nothing as big as a Bigfoot. But uh, if you look at history, uh, the mountain gorilla yep. was a myth. He was a mythical being that everybody talked about. He was native lore. He didn't exist until 1902 when they first science, like conventional science, first documented and accepted mountain gorilla in 1902. The same as another mythical being that for thousands of years was only uh, hearsay of weirdos and, uh, <laughs> you know, shaman and tribes in Eastern Asia. And that's uh, the giant panda. He was discovered and discovered 1849. Wow. Just to be a real actual living, breathing animal. Okay? Yeah. And um, yeah. So, the giant squid was only found within the last decade or so, too, right? Like, that was just fairy tales uh, by sailors. You know, there wasn't any kind of giant squid out there, yada, yada. But yeah, a, lot of, a lot of reports, but there's, like, just like every other sea monster and mermaid, no. Everything everything is false until it's true, right? But yeah. um, could there be? Yeah. Uh, I just believe that there's a space for it. And... Um, Gigantopithecus, you know, a creature very similar to Bigfoot. Uh, fossils have been discovered. They already know he was 10 feet tall. He was like a giant ape with long arms, and it did roam the country at one point in time, probably 200,000 years ago. But now... Um, really it, not that long he, he, ago. In like, uh, no. in Earth terms, that's a blink of an eye. Yeah, 1902 for, for a bloody gorilla? Mm-hmm. That was a pretty big thing. You know, oh, false, false, false until discovered in 1902. Like we we discovered a lot of things prior to 1902. <laughs> but um, these areas, uh, the Americans, like Washington, upper, uh, you know, the Olympic Peninsula, it's a fairly large area. But in retrospect, in comparison to Canada, it's a tiny, tiny little area. But still one that they can't get around with cars and trucks and bikes and quads. Yeah, uh, you got to be a mountain climber to get in there, and then you got to be be able to get through briar patch like rainforest and bush. Um, uh, people fly over it; you can't see nothing through that canopy. So, sure, it could exist there, and if you can exist there, or in Northern California, you know, like the Gimlin tapes, yeah. um, it certainly exists in Canada. How many uh, thousands and thousands, millions of square kilometers of land in BC and Northern Alberta alone? Yeah. Are there mountainous, mountainous regions that are no roads, no access, no nothing? So I do think the space is there for yeah. them. Um, I've never seen one. I've never. Uh, I've talked to people that say they've seen one. <laughs> you know, um, and one guy, and he won't even admit it now. When I was trying talking to him again, but he was uh, adamant that he saw one in the late '80s, where he worked at riding as a. Uh, pasture manager for a PFRA where, you know, cattle and everything are kept in a summer pasture. And this is large, large bush area. Okay. And um, he wasn't a hunter or anything like that, but 
he he was riding his horse. He wouldn't go back in there without his. Uh, he went and bought a gun and a scabbard, <laughs> and that's the only way he would go back in that pasture. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So and then um, dating a girl and uh, Beaver Dam. That's a large, large area where. Uh, yeah. So you were saying uh, that like you you like the mythology. That's what brought you into. Uh, uh, thinking about the big Bigfoot, like in the Sasquatch, the Yeti. Um, I think one of my favorite stories so far is like the possibility of like, cause I, I don't know where I fall on it, but uh, the Florida, the version where like people just release orangutans or monkeys that get way too, uh, too much for them into the, uh, the swamps and bogs out there. And there's a possibility of uh, uh, some kind of community out there is fucking enthralling to me that that it's possible that that is uh responsible for some of the bigfoot sightings in florida but uh as far as canada i don't know i i question like we're in manitoba like unless there's cave systems which is completely possible and we know that we do have them like those fucking gardener snakes i remember going to the manitoba museum and yeah. Oh God, it's disgusting. Tens of thousands form a large mating ball, the size of a semi, and they roll. Oh yeah. Uh, Just, yeah. So even in in even in prairie where you don't have any tree cover, there there is possibilities for them to run around. But uh, what do you say to people that question like where are the bodies, where are the Sasquatch remains, if Sasquatch. Uh, just die in the woods. Like, shouldn't we see more evidence of them around? Any kind of uh, record of them? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And um, I spend lots of time running around the bush, taking pictures of animals. Used to go deer hunting a lot, been in all kinds of bushes. Uh, Bushes I know are just full of bears. Yeah. And I've never seen a bear body. Huh. I've never seen them. Uh, just a dead bear left out in the bush. Now, I'll tell you, though, uh, University of Minnesota, um, and, you know, they're not the only ones. Other comp- other uh, institutions have done this, too. Put a deer, a white-tailed deer body out and just lay it out on the earth, and they run a time lapse. You know, how long do you think it takes before there's non-recognizable deer? Yeah. Seven days. That's it, eh? That, that's yeah, like... I was surprised. I was surprised too. Of course, that would have to be in an area like nature, right? There's predation. So once it breaks down to a point, then smaller animals are able to carry off individual bones. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, put it to you this way: guys go out um, in our woods, and our woods are tiny here in the in the area I live in, Manitoba, because like you go north, and we have a lot of bush. But I'm in an agricultural belt. And a lot of our bushes disappearing. So you got these small little, you know, postage stamp bushes. And that's where guys go hunting. Then guys will go in and they have special trained dogs and they, they hunt for sheds, for, for deer antlers. You know, you can legally go pick those up. And um, it's quite a feat just to find one of those, even with a dog in there helping you. Yeah. I found one over the last three years of all the wandering and miles and miles I've been in the bush. I found one shed. And I looked and looked and looked in that small bush, hoping I could find the matching one. And I didn't. But, um, yeah, I've never seen a bear body. 
lying in the bush. And unless a hunter has shot it and you see a gut pile or something, yeah, you'll notice it because of all the uh, ravens that are soon there for the banquet. Um, they all disappear. Like you leave a gut pile of a deer where you shoot them and you drag them out of the bush, you uh, gut them and you leave them, uh, you leave all the guts and everything there and you take the deer with you. That gut pile's gone. It's gone the next day. Yeah. I watch for those because owls and eagles will feed. And maybe that evening or the following morning on a nearby tree, I can get a picture of an owl or eagle. So I watch these kind of things. Mm. And I know two days later, there's no point in going because it's all gone. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's just different levels of predation. Eh? The coyotes will take bigger parts. Uh, it moves right on down the chain until the pieces are small enough for birds to carry off. And it's gone. And that, so a body, first off, I think where they are, there aren't that many people walking in the bushes. They're not living <laughs> in my part of Manitoba. No. They're not they're not running through the cornfields out here. But Manitoba is massive. I could get to Fernie, British Columbia before I could go straight north and get to Churchill, Manitoba. Wow. I'm closer to BT than I am to Churchill. You know? <laughs> I could cross all Saskatchewan, all all of Alberta. <laughs> And if I was going north, I'd only be two-thirds of the way there. Wow. You know, it's about an yeah. eight- or nine-hour drive to Thompson, and Thompson's only halfway to Churchill. Jesus. So that's how much space we have when we go north. And I'm in the Prairie Belt area of Manitoba, but uh, at an angle, like uh, starting at Ontario with Kenora right in the corner, mm-hmm. the Boreal Forest kind of goes up to the northwest. So we do have Boreal in Manitoba. But the further west you go, the farther north you have to go to find it. And uh, But it still crosses the entire province. Um, you just have to go farther north in my area. If you're out uh, eastern Manitoba, you're in the Boreal Forest, like around West Hawk Lake and uh, Falcon Lake. It's all granite, rock, and uh, coniferous trees. Here, we're in uh, prairie plains. We're in the old flood floodway of uh, an ancient lake system, uh, Lake Agassiz. Yeah. So, yeah, we're in fertile flatland. This isn't what I would call prime Sasquatch country, and that's fine with me. I don't want to go out and run into one ever, you know. If <laughs> no. there's a odd chance they exist, they can exist far away from me, you know. Happy to have them with us. I don't want them around. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, suggestions of their aggression or territoriality, which I guess kind of makes sense. Um it would be interesting if we would have had a better record of, uh, you know, our fur trappers and uh, the first peoples to come across Canada, the, the Europeans. They would have gotten stories on that, but you would have to ask the right questions and those people would have had to write down those stories. And and every one of them would go back and sell their furs to the Hudson Bay Company. And the Hudson Bay Company loved people coming out west and settling the lands and trapping the fur and filling their their storehouses with beaver pelts and fox mm-hmm. and marten and mink. What they wouldn't like is having everybody scared of going in the bush. So those stories were probably suppressed even in that day, more so than they ever would be now. Yeah. Oh, well, they never talked about the Wendigo or anything or any of the other there demons that could be out there that got. Uh... And, you know, I think one of the, one of the things that, uh, you know, it's, it's Sasquatch, Bigfoot, he's easily, easily dismissed as where the bodies of, but what isn't easily dismissed to me is that tribes from from the Rocky Mountains to the Manitoba Plains to the Cree in Ontario 
all the way down <laughs> southern U.S. Yeah, even our Mohawks. Not only do they have, they have oral records of these large hairy men that live in the forests, they all have their own names for them. And, yeah. and these are tribes, you know, there was no social media. There was no, in other words, we're only uncovering a lot of this because for the most part, it's an oral history beyond the glyphs, like uh, paintings and rock paintings, carvings, totems, yep. those types of things. But um, that oral history has been maintained by a lot of, a lot of elders. Like that's uh, still there. Um, you know, it's all being written down now. And uh, and in Canada, I guess we got to face facts. Like there, there was a lot of it that got lost during the residential schools era too. Like uh, if it's all songs and stories being passed down, like we did some serious fucking damage. Like uh, like we're we're repairing that now as best we can, moving past it. But uh, yeah, some of that got lost along the way. Yeah, and that goes up to very recently, very, very, very recently. I think a lot of it, though, was starting to be uh, written down before that, and now there's a concerted effort with uh, knowledge. They're called knowledge keepers. Most okay. uh, tribes have them. I know in Manitoba here they work with museums and uh, historical associations, and they're knowledge knowledge keepers, and their basic job is to collect these stories from the elders they have left and to uh, document and then to share, you know, they share with their culture that you go and you study uh, native studies, uh, Brandon university or U of M. Um, yeah. You're going to be able to find uh, a little bit more there than you would have 10 years ago. You know? Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but they all, all the native cultures uh, just and, and all over. And they had no communication with one another, but they had the same story. They had different names, yep. but the same story of the exact same creature, you know? Same behaviors, me, same look. Yeah. And for, like, a lot of them, like, you know, like to one. And there's been areas, too, even in today's research, like as uh, an area that Olympic Peninsula, that's an area where they have a reputation of being aggressive. Yep. You know? And... Most other areas, they are passive. Like, you know, you see them by fluke and they're gone. That's the reports that, that come in. And and there's still, you know, hundreds and hundreds of reports in every province per year, you know, of yeah. people like reporting this to DNR, you know. <laughs> Fucking and, people uh, getting entire trees thrown at them with the roots out, which it takes massive machines to remove a tree with its roots on. I, I don't even yeah. know what you would have to have. <laughs> yeah. So either there's just a whole, you know, a whole pack of liars and uh, native cultures were all in cahoots about something, even though they couldn't talk to one another yeah. back in, you know, back in those days, like you got a, a tribal, a tribal unit on the West side of the Rocky mountains. They had no communication with the Iroquois in Ontario, you know, <laughs> but they both got the same beasts living in the bush in their stories. And um, to me, that, that's one of the biggest things. It's, it's that oral history that's been that's been passed down. Because t today, nobody has. Uh, they, people have some neat experiences. Yeah. We talk about throwing things like uh, rocks is often one. And you know, how big was the rock? Well, it was about like a basketball. Well, you know how heavy that would be, right? <laughs> that would probably be 45, 50 pounds. And how far was it thrown? A couple of hundred yards. I'm like, yeah. Well, that's. That's like a 10 feet on plane. a good day. And I have a serious chance of throwing out my back now that I'm over 30. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so 
I don't consider that everybody that makes a report is full of shit. Yeah. And I, I don't consider that every one of them's a gospel truth either. And, um, I just, uh, probably believe it cause I like to, you know, I, I probably read about it and, uh, I'll watch documentaries on it because look what else is out there to watch and believe in today. <laughs> <laughs> Here's you know? a valid point. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll turn, I'll, tune out of the mainstream news tonight and i think i'm going to watch a sasquatch documentary basically it's not too much different from what i do it's a group of guys going into the woods with cameras and they're having a great time they they, they make a trip they spend a week out in the mountains and even if they come away with nothing they're a lot happier and more enriched than they were when they left yeah yeah so even if you looked forever and never found it you know uh they're probably a standing on a, a piece of land sometimes that no human has ever stood before. If you get far, far oh, yeah, enough out there, it's, it's possible that you were just standing in completely untouched space looking on a beautiful landscape no human eyes has ever seen from that angle. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's intimidating. You go out in Banff and Jasper, you go on a hike, yeah, it's great. Trails are well marked and they're well beaten down. You won't get lost. But not many people take one step off that trail. And one step off that trail takes you into maybe 3,000 kilometers of places where nobody's been putting their feet, if ever, before. Yeah. Yeah. You might, oh, yeah, Banff will get over three, three and a half million visitors in a year. Maybe 10 of them are backcountry <laughs> campers in each, in each trail system, you know. Um, so the percentage is very low. So why haven't we seen bodies? We don't have people in the places where the bodies might be. There's nobody there to see them. Yeah. Well, and I tend yeah. to fall into like, there's probably, there, from what I've seen, evidence of intelligence to know that humans are scary or to keep to themselves. There's a tribal uh, tradition. The vocalizations seem to suggest some kind of basic form of communication. If like, you know, like we know how smart dogs in a pack are when they're barking at each other. Maybe it's that level or higher. But uh, who's to say that they're not taking away the bodies when they're when one's deceased? Like if if they've lasted this long, why not? That's just some kind of community, I guess. Well, yeah. Or, you know what? Just simple animal behavior. Um I remember kids are little. We had a cat that didn't come home for quite a while. Yeah. Then we started wondering, I wonder what happened to this cat, you know. We turned the house upside down for hours and hours and hours. Found nothing until uh, about three days later and the search is continuing. And a box was pulled out from under a bed. And the cat, you know, ill and is dying, had uh, had crawled into this box under like some toys under one of my daughter's beds and that's where it went to spend its last remaining hours. Yeah. And we couldn't find an animal inside one house. Yeah. How fast are you going to discover a body in uh, millions of square kilometers of rugged country that with no access roads, no air, no visibility from the air and that most people aren't in any condition to be climbing or walking through anyway. You don't climb mountains and walk through uh, mosquito infested uh, thorn valleys. And, you know, <laughs> my knees are done walking on concrete for 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. So the possibility we've got the spaces. Canada's full of game. Uh, I don't know. 
I'd like to, I'd like to think that there's a possibility that they're out there. I think uh, it'd be interesting to see if they came up with a with a body, wouldn't it? It would be. And, um, I don't think like everybody like there's a lot of these Bigfoot guys. Never mind the ones that think they teleport and the ones that think they're aliens <laughs> or uh, whatever. But a lot of uh, just your regular guys who think that it's, it's a government cover up, eh? Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't think so either. I think you know, maybe, maybe military training exercises or some, some neat, uh, you know, military technology. If they're uh, scanning with, you know, with infrareds or something, maybe they've come across things they can't explain how to look. I'm like, oh, no, people don't <laughs> need to know about that. But in general, it's not a concerted effort of uh, concealing them either. I don't think it's a, a cover-up or anything else. I just think that, you know. <laughs> do you think that it should, like, if uh, if you found a Bigfoot tomorrow, do you think the day after the world should know about it? Or is that something like, if if people found out about it, someone's hunting it, like, immediately. Like, they're going to try to kill this thing. <laughs> I'd hope not. Well, they've been hunting them long enough without success. I think it would be neat that uh, if science got a hold of it, yeah. Yeah, I hope none of them ever end up in a fucking zoo. Uh, take a dead body, <laughs> be fucking awful for this thing. But then again, yeah. I don't like any ape in a zoo. They're too fucking smart. Same with the whales. You uh, ever see that? Uh, I think it was called Blackfish, the one about the uh, marine land and having the killer whales in there. No, but I'm familiar with the story. Yeah. Holy shit! They when they they I I know it's leading because it's a, a biased documentary, but when they show examples of how smart these mammals are, it is absolutely frightening. Like what they what they do to them, just putting them in a tank. It's no wonder they snap. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. a Bigfoot in a in a cell, basically. No <laughs> context was happening. Well, in Canada already, in BC, they're protected. Oh, shit, really? It was, that was part of Todd Standing's uh, thing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I think they did it to shut him up because he's hard <laughs> to shut up. Right? But, uh, yeah, okay, you know what? Fine, yeah, the Bigfoot. Yeah, you know what? Uh, we'll just pass legislation. Everybody in favor of uh, Todd Standing not coming back here anymore. And uh, <laughs> we'll enact this today that we, okay, Bigfoot's protected, Todd. Now be on your way and don't. <laughs> don't come back you won you won but <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah it's uh <laughs> yeah of course i think that uh who whose whose information should it be belong would belong to people they uh although the vindication for all the ones that are really you know <laughs> spending yeah. their lives researching this for the for the scientists that you know okay you know what hey you found some weird stuff i'd like to look at it because I'm curious, you know. Let me and cut it open. <laughs> yeah, well, no, even these nesting areas yeah. and these different things and footprints and stuff. A scientist that wants to be curious and look at it, all the power to them. Scientists should be curious and open-minded. That's yeah. how science evolves, right? But they are kind of blacklisted. Anybody that attaches their name to any kind of Bigfoot study. Hey, I found this uh, Bigfoot body. Oh, yeah, I'm not coming. <laughs> <laughs> I still want my papers published in incredible journals. I'm not going anywhere near that, you know. Yeah. So there's a stigma to it for sure. And I see, I, I don't care. Yeah. You know, I really don't care. Hey, Tower, you believe in Bigfoot? I'm like, I live in a country that elected Justin Trudeau three times in a row, and they still believe in him. So... <laughs> People are allowed to believe whatever they want. Yeah. 
Tim, if I if I said there's a possibility Bigfoot could be out there, you wouldn't hold that against me and uh, treat me any differently, would you? Fuck no, uh, no, no, not at all. Uh, but then again, I, I fall into the same line of thinking as you, where uh, I'm not. I don't think I'm so fucking smart that I can say that I know what definitively exists and does not exist. You know, give me the, I don't think that the Bigfoot has to exist. I believe in, like you said, the possibility, you know, the probability of it gets higher and higher when you hear these interesting stories, when you actually hear the vocalizations, it's, there's evidence, but until we have a body, it doesn't exist. Yeah, and with those vocalizations, I found the interesting thing there too was, you know, you get sound a sound designer that's looking at these things, and it's not a sound that can be made by a human, mm-hmm. and it's not a sound that relates like you see it your hertz and your frequencies of different animals, and we all have a range, and you got sounds coming in that are beyond the range, yeah. and can't be associated with it. Just like this DNA, it comes back. Well, it's inconclusive because we can't tie it to a gorilla for sure. And we can't tie it to a human for sure. Cause it's not quite either. So it's nothing. Yeah. And that keeps, keeps on coming. And the guys actually, that they send in a sample and it's, you know, different companies or companies, different uh, groups like the Olympic project, they've sent in DNA from proposed, you know, those nesting sites that were discovered and um, uh, it's can't be determined, you know, and they send it to six different labs. Right. And, uh, and the FBI has tested DNA from supposed Sasquatch, and um, they come back saying indeterminate. Yeah, you know, yeah, and very rarely, you know, somebody gets it wrong completely. But they send in the sample. Oh, well, that's an elk, you know, and and they're like, okay, you know. Yeah. But but the fact is, something out there running around. Tell me, how many creatures do we not know the DNA for? Yeah, I, I have to imagine it's a they, long they list. They, we, we know the DNA of everything. We know the DNA of white-tailed deer, of elk, of moose, of bear, of Kodiak bear. And, and we, these are all recorded. And, and those uh, records can be accessed and compared. Because the DNA, like there's not that many, you know, species in these, in these areas that have uh, fur that's over two inches long, you know. Yeah. And um, so you can say definitively that it's not any of those. Well, tell me, what the hell is it then? Well, and that's what what intrigues me is where is the wonder when these companies get it and it can't be defined, like you're saying, is like, where is the next step? Why is it still on the the people sending it in? Because if it was synthetic, they would know what it was. If like, so where is the wonder? Where is like, all right, this can't be determined. Let's determine it. This is what we've done. Where, where are we going now? Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is so. They can't determine what it is, but they can match it. The stuff from Ontario was matched to the same species as the stuff in Washington, which was matched to the same species as a sample taken in Ohio. Holy shit, eh? But it's still indeterminate. Three very different locations. Yeah. They are matched to each other, but not a match to anything else. So that's interesting. Uh, You want to hear, like, vocalizations, I think... I've been listening to uh, some stuff on the, uh, oh, what do they call it now? Devil's Creek. And it's Olympic Peninsula. And it's uh, Devil's Creek, Washington. There's a property there. 
the couple that bought it, she was a natural national geographic photographer and he did a lot of travel work. eh? And uh, so they had animals and they bought this uh, place in <laughs> devil's Creek and they ended up moving out after a few years. They got a lot of recordings there. One of the guys, like they got hooked up with a guy from the Olympic project. He had a sighting driving into this place. She had a sighting clear as day and, and uh, cursing and swearing. Her husband said he never heard her swear before, but he, <laughs> she heard every word that day. So she had herself a sighting. You hear her, and she's like, you know, she's normal. She never thought anything about Bigfoot before she saw one. And she had for the three and a half, four years she lived in that house. She couldn't think anything since. She wouldn't go in her yard at night. She wouldn't, uh, she wouldn't even be on the main level of her home. Sometimes it'd be banging on the side of their home. Wow. And, uh, yeah, like there's a lot of weird stuff was going on there. Um, they lived right beside the Creek and there's this deep, so she had her husband build a fence there and he built this fence and, uh, there was a game trail developed up to the fence and a board kept getting pulled off and they would go and reattach a board and then screw it on and put another board over it. And then the next day the board's off. So she thinks this thing is watching or whatever it is. And so these guys come in from the Olympic project and they're doing recordings and some of the weird stuff they recorded um, is, is pretty neat. And of course it's all been, you know, tested frequencies, this, that, and you got to ask yourself, why didn't they put up like uh, a game cam or two or this or that? But the guys from the Olympic project, they've been trying that for years without success. And they found it would just drive the animal out of the area. You know, they seem to know what was going on with these, if they had some kind of sensitivity to it or what, I don't know. But uh, one other interesting thing with their sounds is the deep, deep growls and howls that they uh, get through their sounds are getting down into uh, infrasound, infrasound range. Oh, the wow. same technology that, that the military uses to disable armed combatants. Like the military can fire sound waves at people and it'll be, make you become nauseous and uh, it'll make you, uh, you know, disoriented. And uh, so they found some of these are getting down so deep that they're into an infrasound range. And it's not a sound that you hear. It's a sound that affects your body at a cellular level, you know. And uh, the mil- it's definitely a current military technology that you can, you can look that up and uh, you see those sound waves that they use. But they, they're saying the Bigfoot ones have come awful close to getting to that depth of uh, – the, the hertz and for kilohertz say well it would be interesting if that's the uh the animal instinct that you would have a researcher going out trying to make contact or see one and hearing those vocalizations that get that low if that gets if that hits your genetic uh, <laughs> uh memory yeah. of when we used to interact and scare the shit out of you and instead of trying to take a picture you go for your gun like if yeah. that's the I was just Googling to see if I could find the Devil's Creek vocalizations. You know what? If you want to Google any vocalization, Tim, yep. Google the Sierra sounds. Uh, oh, sorry, the what? Sierra. 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 S-I-E-R-R-A. The Sierra sounds. And it's like uh, speech. It's between a couple of different animals. And it's freaky shit. This is this is not elk. When you hear them, you'll be uh, they give you the shivers. These were recorded uh, like Sierra Group that goes out California. It's yeah, uh, eh, you know, not too far from where the old Patterson Gimlin was. There, I don't think you know. It, it's up in that uh, California area, and um, 
they have a hunting camp up there, right? And there's all kinds of uh, incidents with sound and rock throwing and, uh, you know, but the, the recordings that they got are just fantastic. And uh, if you're able to find them and it, it's, it's, it's like a language speech pattern and it's freaky. It's some freaky. If I heard that in the bush, man, I would be out of there so fast. Well, uh, of all people, uh, Les Stroud, who doesn't say that he believes or disbelieves the the Bigfoot, um, he uh, was in where was he? Alaska, and he was hearing the vocalizations, and it scared the ever ever loving shit out of him. A man that he had has... a bunch of trees in that throne too, and rock. Yeah. So after that, you know, Les did a ten-part series on Bigfoot. Yeah, and that was that all with uh, Todd Standing, or just a, a couple of the episodes? Just one or two with Todd Standing. Other than that, he went and talked to some native elders, and he got permission to go on some uh, land that they like to stay the hell away from and uh, camp there. Um, if you have any any interest at all, or think that it's uh, of you know worth watching and, and seeing some of these areas. Like I've watched all of the Les's episodes are all available on YouTube eh, for free. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, I've watched them all. And now he just started a, uh, a podcast too. I think it's, it's live. No, like no, no video, but it's on YouTube as well. Like, okay. You know, a podcast that shows his background and <laughs> audio and talking to people about their experiences, but whatever experience he had up North and he was talking about it, it affected him enough that, he spent like two years of his life straight into Bigfoot and did this 10 part episode on it. I mean, a lot of it was not survivor man funded or, anything. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. this, is, this has got him wondering what's out there. Right. And uh, Celeste did it. And, and it all stemmed from an experience like this woman at the devil's Creek property. Uh, I can't remember her last name, Donna, something rather, like I say, she ex national geographic photographer. Um, was she easily scared? I don't think so. One of her last assignments was in the Amazon getting pictures of anacondas. And so she said, of course, they're more nocturnal. So most of my search was in the in the night. So this oh. is a woman that was willing to go out searching for anacondas at night in the Amazon jungle to get photos, but was scared to the upper level, level of her own home for, for three, almost four years in Washington State. Wow. Yeah. So you got to wonder, like, and does, you know, does she come off as some kind of kook? No. She said, yeah, nothing to do with any Bigfoot. Didn't ever think about a Bigfoot until she saw a Bigfoot. Yeah. And then started having these experiences around their property. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to play Sierra one. Sounds are definite. You got to hear the Sierra sounds, Tim. you think about hearing that in the bush in the dark no 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 <laughs> no believe me these these have been like you found them on online right these have been everywhere the originals for all kinds of testing and here again um well we can rule out humans because 
the uh, the vocal range is out of the range of a human being. Like you know, even an opera singer with uh, <laughs> several octaves, they can't do it. So what is out if it's a prank? What is out there pranking that isn't a human? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, okay, so the setup that you would need to to pull off a prank on somebody is you would have to know that they're going out there. You would have to uh, not be spotted while you're tailing them to where they decide to set up camp. You would have to have the heavy machinery to remove a tree, uh, catapult to launch a rock, uh, and training so that you don't uh, put a 50-pound boulder at the speed and distance that you would have to launch it at, uh, could crush a human fucking skull. So you would have to know what you were doing with that catapult. Uh, you, they would not have to hear the machine ripping the tree out. You would need another launcher to launch the tree at them. Uh, and then you would have to have speakers and rec- uh, to project this stuff. And I don't care how good your speakers are. You can tell the difference between something being produced from audio and a live sound. So you would need next level speakers. Uh, so yeah. you, what, a couple hundred pounds of equipment and training to, to go out here and prank somebody if it was a human and being? An- and you'd have to anticipate where the people are going to be. Yeah. And where these guys go, the Sierra Sounds in particular, they're accessible by walking or horseback. And it's a private area. So, like, what you know? What else you risk if you're up there? You risk being shot. If you're up there in a in a in a suit looking like some kind of animal at a hunting club, yeah, <laughs> on private land, and you look like a Sasquatch, and these guys are all scared. Yeah. Of course, there's other ones too. Um, there's that one, uh, the miners. Miners, they were in California too, and they had uh, rocks pelted at their cabin all bloody night, and all six of them attested to it and swore up and down looking through the cracks that it was these great big ape-like things and they they were they drove them out of there they drove them off their mining plane wow you know so that's a, a popular and common story that made the newspapers at the time and everything but uh yeah this is all in the same kind of areas of california you know this those sounds though isn't that freaky <laughs> it, it sounds like a an ape like th- there's no words okay. about it like and if you are that far out in the woods and you're hearing that live why is there an ape there? It's so fucking out of this world, disconnected to any sound that you would hear, like a, you know, a bobcat that like ripping, tearing mountain lion yeah. sound. You know what that is? Like that's not unearthly. It's scary. Yeah. It is frightening yeah. to hear that outside your tent. A bear, you you know the sniffing and snorting and and paws and everything, but to to hear hear this like it just it doesn't make sense no it's uh so there's too many things now if you add the sounds you add the sightings not every some are liars they can't all be liars you add you know dna that well we know it's not anything else but we don't know what it is and (laughs) all these little things now i'll tell you and people the evidence, the evidence, the evidence. Um, you can have a murder trial where one witness was half drunk. It was dark, but he thinks he saw Johnny do it. And he gets up there in the stand. Johnny 
well, yeah, you proved beyond a doubt to me that Johnny <laughs> probably did that, and he goes to jail for the rest of his life. But you come up with sounds that can't be explained, DNA that can't be explained, everything that's absolute ridiculousness. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what type of body? Have, well, literally, they will need a body. Like, uh, at some point, they'll need a body. I'm surprised if anywhere, when so many people see them when they're driving, that one hasn't been hit and collected on the road. Now, yeah. they say guys that hit them and they go back for the body and the body's gone. Well, I don't know if I believe those guys or not, but um, I don't think they run around by instinct like or just wildly like a deer, you know. I don't think that uh, – I, I think they'd be more uh, calculating than yeah. just, you know, romping around like a, a buck during the rut and hops in front of your uh, vehicle and there you go. There's your proof, eh? Yeah. You don't see bears jumping up in front of cars. There are a lot of other animals that are out in Manitoba that don't jump in front of cars, you know. So yeah. I guess, There's a lot of moose that, like, realize how big they are and they don't give a shit about a car. <laughs> yeah, and they just, they will be on roadways all over. They love, you know what they like? The salt and the minerals that the highway department puts out. I've seen moose, I have pictures of moose on the number 10 highway kneeling down to lick that salt. Oh my God, I, really? <laughs> yeah, on a Sunday morning, I said, look at these, they're at church praying, eh? Because yeah. two big moose kneeling down on their front knees, licking the salt that the highways department had put on the highway. That's oh what they God. were after, and they didn't, much, they didn't much care that they stopped traffic for both directions. And I was quite happy because I got a lot of nice pictures of those guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that kind of attracts them to the, to the road, you know? But um, I, I don't know. Yeah, it would be... Uh, if one was found, I think it should go to public knowledge. Yeah. Uh, who else should own that knowledge? I think that's knowledge for the people. I, I, I don't know. Give the jurisdiction over to the to somebody that's world. not going to exploit them. But you know, we're the it, shepherds. It, it's our it's our world, and the more you know about it, the better off we should all be. Right? Yeah. Uh, it shouldn't be uh, locked behind. Like if one was, you asked me, do I think it should be shared? Absolutely. It should. Who does it belong to? Like a a government agency, we know how they operate. <laughs> you know? So we you can give them IQ tests to see if they're smart enough to tax. Highest of competency or efficiency, like, you no, know, they're not. So I think that, uh, like, university science, uh, maybe something like that where they, it can be studied, you know? Yeah. And uh, they want to send a guy from every university, they all get a crack at them, whatever. But that knowledge would belong... Uh, to everybody, I think. Yeah. 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 Maybe the First Nations would handle it better. We'll let them leave them in charge. Right off the uh, the lands as reserve uh, for the Bigfoot and just let them be. Study them. Well, and... I don't think there'd be a problem with protecting them because it bloody seems to be kind of hard for, for people to find them to begin with, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. There's many as many that are out there trying but then again i think if uh if a real concerted effort that was funded that they maybe get more interesting results but nobody is uh funding any scientific ventures into this this is done by weekend warriors and uh, you know guys that are making a little bit of money off of tours like the olympic project there you can go on an expedition with them and camp overnight and pay some money and then uh they buy a couple of more recorders or maybe they cut a little further into the bush and uh, they do what they can. They all have nine to five jobs, right? Yeah. So this is a bad question to ask tower, but uh, let's say tomorrow Bigfoot's discovered 
undeniable proof. The world knows Bigfoot exists. Ten yep. years from now, I show up at your house and I'm like, hey, I got some Bigfoot meat. You want Bigfoot steak? Would you try a Bigfoot steak? Probably not. I wouldn't need <laughs> an ape either. Yeah, I don't think I would either. Funny story, though. Funny story. In the little hotel here, they used to sell horse jerky. <laughs> and a good, a good cowboy friend of mine, a little fella, he used to he used to go around. He used to buy the nastiest old nags cheap from uh, auction marts, say, and even Shoal Lake and around here and all over Manitoba. And then uh, the local smoke shop there, they they did him into jerky, and well, yeah, he he sold boxes of it to the hotel. So I'd buy a bag, and my buddy buy a bag, and you know we were like connoisseurs of jerky we went through a lot of it and we'd have uh, the owner microwave it hey eh? you put it in there got a microwave it a minute and a half and get really bring the flavor up and then bring the yeah yeah okay <laughs> we went through a half dozen bags of this at our table before i told him you know i didn't ever think i'd see you eating a horse that's well, not horse that's beef jerky they make it out of beef you idiot you know <laughs> and i said oh no, no not this stuff here you think we're getting this for four bucks a bag for this ain't no, <laughs> ain't no great ain't beef. It's worse. Turn around and look at the end of the bar. The two old guys that sat there every night, one of them was lefty. Oh, they sit up there drinking, drinking pop, right? And uh, uh, Danny Coke. Lefty. And Danny Coke and lefty. Yeah. Oh, Le- wow. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, lefty came over. Yeah. What do you need there? Young fella. I said, you tell my cowboy compadre here. What exactly is in this jerky you make? This is your jerky that you bring and sell to the hotel, isn't it? Sure is. That there's horse. <laughs> and after, buddy, just about throws up and turns green. Then he's mad at me because he ate like six bags of horse jerky, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, at least you didn't feed him prairie oysters. I know. I know. <laughs> we we did the same thing to our, uh, our, our newer Muslim barkeep. Oh, to ice fishing, eh? And the ice fishing hut. And everybody's yeah. sausage all day, all day, all day. And he, there is no pork in the sausage. There's deer sausage. And then after he had eaten all he could eat of the deer sausage, then, then Buddy says, yeah, half pork, I guess. I should have told you. <laughs> so he hadn't eaten. And then we told him he, we told him he was going to hell, you know. And, uh, yeah, Buddy, yeah, you know. It's to secrecy, so of course I'll never tell that story. But uh, <laughs> we're not we're not using any names here. But uh, I hadn't really known what was going on, and I never thought of it when I seen him eating deer jerky or you know deer sausage all day. We had the wood stove going in the fire. We had metal rods hanging over the the little wood stove in there, eating up uh, deer sausage all day. And you know, go in, grab a sausage, back out, maybe fishing out of the fishing hut for a while. And he's in there gorging on the stuff. Eh? As soon as he was it was beer sausage, well, the guys mix it 50-50. Oh, 50%. Shit. 50. So he did tell him at the end of the day when he couldn't possibly stuff another bite into himself that he'd been eating pork all day. Oh, eh? Jesus. So, <laughs> yeah. so that would like be me and, and the Sasquatch, you know? Yeah. I think they're too closely related to us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anything too smart I don't want to eat. Dolphin, whale. But uh, Sasquatch, I don't know. Maybe apparently monkey meat's a big deal in the jungle. You can eat monkey meat over in Thailand, or you know, a lot of people eat monkeys. I don't think I'd eat no monkey either. Yeah, it's just something. I don't know. It's just wrong. Yeah, they're our little buddies, man. I don't. 
<sighs> well, folks, that was our follow-up episode to the Sasquatch. I hope that Tower comes back, joins us again sometime. This was a ton of fun, buddy. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, oh, you bet. Uh, I, Tim, I'm Bearded and Bored. You can find us on Instagram, at Bearded and Bored. You can find us... Uh, uh, our email at uh, beardedandboard at gmail.com if you have any thoughts on the Sasquatch let us know would you eat any Sasquatch meat uh, and I'm going to throw it back to Tower where can the people find you buddy uh, you can find me on Instagram for my uh, photography at uh, Grompa G-R-0-M-P-A perfect go check him out and uh, yeah leave him a good review click like button bye Sweet. That was a ton of fun, man. Yeah. Well, you got uh, 